Hello, and welcome to the Food Safety University podcast, episode number 23. I'm your host, David Zarling, Senior Associate with Dirigo Food Safety. In today's episode, we'll continue into part two of our new plant manager series, the Organizational Gap Audit, where we'll talk about a way to quickly analyze your plant's existing organizational programs and how to implement an easy-to-manage system of your own. Welcome to the Food Safety University podcast presented by Dr. Michelle Fannin-Steele of Dirigo Food Safety. Tune in to learn food safety in plain English. We will break down the ins and outs of the food code, HACCP plans, you name it. We make food safety simple, easy, and even fun. Welcome to episode number two of Dirigo Food Safety's Food Safety University podcast's new plant manager series where we're going to be exploring what it takes to become a new plant manager or step into a new role as a plant manager, production manager, or QC manager uh, with confidence, calmness, and a great game plan in order to get rolling as quickly as possible so that we can become uh, you know, our best selves in service of our crews. Because if, if you know me, if you worked with me in the past, you know that my attitude towards plant management is one of service where we as managers, whether it be production, QC, inventory, operations, what have you, uh, our job as managers is to remove the speed bumps and grease the wheels for the subject matter experts to do their best work and uh, feel supported and like they can move forward uh, with all their talents. Now, I work with people all the time who are looking for plant managers or management or supervisors or superintendents for their facilities, whether they be small or mid-sized USDA inspected, retail exempt, uh, you know, kitchen-based, custom exempt, what have you. All the time I work with clients who have difficulties sourcing talent or great individuals to carry out their vision for their, uh, for their operations. And I also find that, uh, a lot of consultants that I work with who are tasked with recruiting or working with plants, you know, they walk into places and there has not been a robust management training program. Uh, the operations program itself is not well documented and well not well trained. And we see management teams kind of occupying the space of firefighting, right? Where uh, we find that we get the most positive reinforcement from dealing with the tasks that seem to need our attention right away, things that pop up. And after a while, once you get into that groove, it's really easy to fall into a pattern of only fighting fires or sometimes creating fires to fight uh, so that you can continue to get the rush of a job well done. But we find that when we get into that sort of culture in, in a plant, and it's very, very easy in manufacturing settings to get Caught up, caught up in this type of culture, what we find is that uh, the actual operations of the plant suffer and therefore the quality of the product and the satisfaction of the customer are at jeopardy. And when that happens, you know, it really rocks the boat and, and, and uh, we have to kind of start over and that's when people call me. So we're going to have this, uh, this series going on and we're going to talk about 
you know, what it means if you are someone who's been promoted into a new position or if you are uh, becoming manager of a new plant or if you're opening your own facility and want to know how to manage it, uh, that's what we're going to do. So in the first episode, we talked a little bit about the model itself and uh, the direction that we're going to go. And I can just give a recap of that real quick. So essentially, the idea is that when you become a new manager or you take the reins of a, of a facility, you need to do an audit of the existing program, right? We treat it as a desk audit or a gap analysis. And you go through this model and you decide where you need to recreate programs or shore some programs up or uh, get buy-in from senior leadership about the direction you want to take the plant. But it's really, really important to uh, take a look at this model. And so, so the first step is organizational planning and gap analysis. And so we're going to take a look. We're going to talk to our senior management uh, and discuss with them how they see the, the, the company being set up uh, through their eyes. And we'll get, we'll get more into that. So we're going to start with organizational planning. Then we're going to move to operational gap analysis and planning. Take a look at all the programs. See what you don't have or what you do have that hasn't been validated or needs to be updated or needs to you know, more clearly reflect what we actually do. Then we're going to take a look at the uh, existing meeting schedule. We're going to take a look at feedback and how to give it. We're going to take a look at time management. And we're also going to do a financial gap analysis and have a special guest who's going to speak with us about small plant finances and financial hygiene. So in this particular episode, we're going to be discussing the organizational gap analysis, where we're going to take a look at how the company is set up, the hierarchy of the company, who you report to as the manager of whatever department or business unit that you're the manager of. And then we're going to discuss what your current team structure looks like, what that reporting structure looks like. Okay. We're going to uh, then analyze what should be in place. We're going to construct an existing org chart, construct a new one. And then we're going to take a look at the job description program. Performance achievement reviews, onboarding, company handbook, and policies. That's what we're going to talk about today. So let's dive in. So first, taking a look at the organizational planning of the company as it stands. It's great to take a top-down look, right? We want to know who is the CEO, who's the founder, who's the board, who, who's, who's at the very top. Uh, that's going to be sending initiatives my way that I'm going to have to uh, going to have to carry out. And again, this could be for a very small facility. You may have a crew of five, and there's one owner, but it's great to know how you interact with them, what sort of decisions you make, what your reporting structure is, and what your reporting frequency is. So you want to discuss with who your superiors are and how often you report to them and what they would like you to report. It's really important to, uh, during this, you know, we'll, we'll talk about this throughout the program, but during this phase is where we really crack open the door for KPIs, right? We have to know as managers how we know that we are doing a good job, how we know that our crew is doing a good job, right? What are we measuring? There must be something measurable, right? Because if you don't can't measure it, you can't manage it. Right, and if you can't manage it, you can't control it, and if you can't control it, it controls you, and that's not the type. That that's when we get into the firefighting mode, and that's not what we're looking for. So, uh, we want to take a look at that top-down organizational chart, and then 
from you down, we need to figure out what is the existing organizational setup or chart of the plant. You might have 75 employees uh, and you have multiple teams, you know, where you've got a plant manager and then you might have an assistant plant manager, an operations manager, a plant controller, a QC manager, production manager, and then superintendents for each uh, production unit. If it's a diversified plant, you might say you've got a kill floor manager, a fabrication manager, a value-added manager, and then perhaps an inventory manager and a shipping receiving superintendent. You know, you really want to be able to delegate responsibilities and not have too much crossover. So take a look at what your organizational chart looks like right now. Could be a plant of five people. It may be a plant manager who also wears the QC hat and the uh, financial or controlling uh, hat, and then you may have a fabrication manager or shop superintendent or supervisor, and then you've got individual contributors who all have positions, right? So we wanna take a look at what that org chart looks like right now, get it documented, and then have it signed off on by your boss. Say, this is what you've told me is here. This is what actually exists. We're gonna acknowledge this. And then we're going to go forward and take a look at each position to see if they have job descriptions, right? Job descriptions are one of these mundane details that we don't like to think about or spend a lot of time on. However, they are one of the most important things in the entire management system. I can tell you walking into a plant of 75 people that I used to manage having an outdated job description program where all the jobs didn't even exist anymore you know, responsibilities and accountabilities were no longer delegated along those lines. The management structure was different. The hierarchy was different. Uh, the copy that the USDA had was out of date, and they knew it, right, uh, of, the org, of the org chart. Um, and, and the job description should go along with each position on the org chart. So job descriptions are really worth the effort. And here's why. When you have a shop floor full of people who just walk in one day and we hire them as a quote-unquote entry-level worker or you know individual contributor and they go to the shop floor and we just put them out there, the only way that these people generally get trained is by the person next to them and there's all kinds of things wrong with that, right? I mean, you don't, you don't know who is on the block or who's on the line what attitude they have, how they feel about their job, how they feel about their coworkers, about the company, right? Um, and people just kind of push off responsibility to new people. Now, we find that there's very low retention when people come in and they don't know what their job is or what they're accountable for. We find that people aren't particularly motivated to uh, you know, take the bull by the horns and really own their position and, and take, you know, t- uh, take a position of like wanting expertise when they don't actually know what their job is. Job descriptions also come with expectations of employees and team members, right? Like we want these job descriptions to say, these are the things that you're responsible for, you're accountable for. This is how you're going to do the job at what frequency, who you're going to report to and what done looks like, right? Uh, And when you have that sort of accountability built in, it gives people something to strive for, but also really helps you down the line when it comes to performance reviews, which we'll get to. 
Job descriptions are also kind of a contract when it comes to managers. You know, you hire people with an offer letter that that includes a job description. And when it comes time to expand those responsibilities of the person or check in on how they're doing, on, on how their progress is, we need to have these job descriptions as a contract that says, you know, what they're accountable for and what they're showing up to do, but also what we as employers and managers are going to provide them as far as training. So in a job description, I like to discuss uh, what training will be included and what expectations there are around how long that training is going to take. So, you know, you we expect you to have these uh, competencies when you come in the door and within six months, we expect you to have these as part of this job description. It's really, really important. So just for an example, you know, you, you can think about how a big plant would be operated, but in a small plant, you might only have six or seven people on the floor. And if that's the case, say you have three meat cutters and a meat plant and, uh, three wrappers and one grinder, right? Well, it's not enough to just say that someone's a wrapper. It's really important that we say that someone is uh, the, uh, you've got the packager, the person that takes the raw materials, inspects them for QC very quickly, and then puts them in to uh, the appropriate packaging, right? The packaging to spec that, that we have in our product specifications program, which we'll talk about in a few episodes down the road. And then you have the sealer, the person who operates the sealing machine. And it's very important that this person has an eye for detail and is looking for defective seals and making sure that we're using the correct bags and making sure that the correct orientation of the product is in the package, right? This is a huge quality assurance position. And then we have the labeler. And the labeler is a person who checks all of the work, right? They are the, the last line of defense. They're taking a look at not only the, the presentation of the meat in the package, but the way it was packaged, they're putting it in the case, and they're making sure that the, the correct data uh, for the label is put onto the case, right? So whether it's an individually packed retail item uh, that doesn't have you know a catch weight label, it may be just a, a prefab sticker that's on there, or it's the case label or, or the catch weight label that's being put onto a product, that person at that station is the last line of defense and make sure that, that the product is representing our values to the customer. This person also has to have an eye for detail, but maybe, maybe a bit of a marketing expertise or, or an eye of, they know how to sell something, right? This is a person that's very organized. And so it's not enough to just hire someone as a packager. It's, it's what we need is for each position on the packaging team to have a job description that very clearly outlines what they do every day and what they're responsible for and what they're accountable for, the associated pay range, the training that's going to be included, the core competencies uh, that we see coming over the first, you know, three months to four months in a probationary period that they work there, um, physical requirements, and, and what we're going to provide for them, who they report to, how often they report to, and what that looks like. And what what I found is when we create this program for the team, because the team always wants it, the team always wants job descriptions and to know exactly what they're supposed to do when they're supposed to do it. I know I want that as a plant manager, as a meat cutter, as uh, if I'm working out in a vegetable field, you know, on a farm for a weekend, I want to know exactly what I'm responsible for. We find that people will take take those they'll take ownership over that role and over the work that they're doing and then once they've mastered that role and they've they've made it to the top of that position 
then there's some there's a drive to master another position on the line, right? And then we we start to build uh, a career, a career based environment where people can continue to learn and learn and learn and add more skills and add more skills and become more valuable and make more money and feel like they're part of something bigger than themselves. And it's true because they are, you know, and we want to be able to keep our employees and our team members and our family employed and feeling safe and uh, engaged and like they enjoy their work, you know, and it's totally possible. And job descriptions go so, so, so far towards that. Uh, I can't say it enough. And so, um, you know, one of the things that we have here at Dirigo Food Safety is we have some job description templates. Uh, it's part of a, a new plant manager coaching program that, we ha- that we're that uh, we currently working on right now. And those are some materials that uh, if, if you're interested in getting those, um, reach out to me at David at Deergo Food Safety, and, and we can talk about how we can get you some of these different uh, materials to set up your own organizational program. So once we've gone through the JDs, we then want to take a look at performance achievement reviews because those are going to actually be talked about in the JD. How often we have a review. Um, I like wage reviews and performance achievement reviews to be separate because we don't want people to feel like wage is, is, is like this kind of punishment or reward for behavior. It's like if you stick around and you're working hard and you're doing what you need to do and meeting the objectives and key results that we set forth in the performance achievement review, which we'll talk about in a moment, then you're eligible for a wage increase. And, it, and, and that's how it should be. It should be something that, that you can expect and, and um, that you count on. And uh, But with financial transparency, you know, we can talk to the crew about what is available that year uh, and, and what to expect. You know, we don't ever want it to be a surprise, but... Um, the performance achievement review is a really important program where instead of, you know, talking about disciplinary actions, which is what a lot of weird reviews tend to be, tend to be, it's a time to sit down with your team members and talk about what your objectives are over the next quarter or half a year, however long you take, and then what the key results are. So it's like, okay, I would like you to learn the labeling program, the labeling machine. So the results that we're looking for, when I say I want you to learn it, here's what learn means. Here's the results. I want you to memorize all of the SKUs. I want you to memorize, uh, you know, the the tie high for the pallet building and the uh, case labeling requirements. And I want to make sure that you are 100% sure on all of your cut identification. And so you attach that to a time, you've got an objective, you've got some key results, we're going to get this done by this time, and here's who's going to help you. When you have a performance achievement review and you're checking in on actual milestones, no matter how small they are, it's just things that we legitimately need people on our team to know, It's it, it really lends itself to retaining employees and like great engagement. I mean, I know that I love that. I want a list to check things off of and do it correctly and have someone tell me that I did it right, you know, and that's a really, really important part of the employee process. So you want to go in and audit and see if there is anything like that that exists right now, just like the JDs. Are there, are there job descriptions? What are they? What can we do better? Same thing with this, the performance achievement review and the wage review. What's the current system? Where's the gap? How big is it? And what do we need to do to change it? And then um, 
yeah, like I said, we we uh, recommend a quarterly or or you know twice a year system where you go over those objectives and key results. Uh, if you'd like to talk more about that, I'd say first Google objectives and key results. You know, Harvard Business Review and some other great companies uh, have some free materials out there. But um, if you'd like to talk some more, I'm always available. Uh, but that is the standard format for those. And then uh, to tie all that together, we want to take a look at an, an employee onboarding program, right? Like, what's it like to become a new employee in this plant? Is it, you know, I've worked in the majority of the plants that I've been an employee in. I've walked in the door and they said, okay, here's where you change, grab your knives, meet you on the cut floor. That's it. There was a handshake. There was some tax documents, hopefully, which they probably gave you at the end of the day. And then you started working. And then the person on the block next to you told you about how this place is blah, blah, blah. And they've been here forever. And here's how you do your job. You know, that's, that's what we don't want. We want someone to come in and feel like they're joining something, like you're becoming a part of a machine, right? Because that's what it is. Um, I don't love the family analogy. I'll make it a couple of times. I don't love the family analogy. Families are dysfunctional, but teams, teams have to be a team. So we want someone to feel like they're joining a team. And like, in order to join a team, you have to know what the team's about, what's the purpose, what's the goal, right? What's the culture like? What do we do? Do we say what we're do? Do we say what we're gonna do, uh, and then actually do that? Um, do we have opportunity for advancement? Do we have an internal hiring program? What's our attendance policy? Right. We want the handbook to cover several different policies that sets a standard, but also holds us accountable as employers, so that people feel and they know that they're being treated the exact same way every single time, right? Everyone gets the same treatment, no nepotism, no favoritism. Here's the handbook. Here's what we do. Here's the behaviors we expect. Here's how we reward you. Or here's how uh, we, you know, um, look at corrective actions. Um, And so many of the policies that uh, we have are, are in a standard handbook that we have at Deergo Food Safety that our clients get from us. However, some of the policies that we address are attendance, Tardiness, vacation requests, COVID policy, personal hygiene, drug, alcohol use, and testing, inclusive excellence, teamwork, housekeeping expectations, sick time, internal job postings, etc. Right? If we line all those out and make it required reading before we start and then have a short discussion about it just to check in on the finer points, that's a great way to set the bar, right? We want to make sure that that exists. And during the onboarding process, you know, the people get the handbook. Uh, I also really like to do something in my plans that was, that was brought to my attention by a fantastic, uh, culture and facilities manager that I had on my team. Um, he created this program and and it's something that I'll always do. It's, it's more or less a scavenger hunt when the person comes in. So they do, they get their, their handbook, you have a discussion, you go over the purpose of the company, you talk about that, you talk about their role that you take a look at the job description. Once you're done with that, I like to have a little scavenger hunt where I, where I have, depending on the size of the facility, I have this person go around and introduce themselves with me. Of course, I lead them there. So it's not like awkward, but doesn't make them feel like they're put on the spot. We go around the plant and they meet key people, right? Stakeholders, people who are going to be working with them in a collaborative relationship. And so, for instance, in a plant that I managed, they would meet the assistant plant manager, the production manager, 
all of the production unit supervisors, the inventory manager, the QC manager, and they met everyone there. And then a couple of people who I consider to be kind of, you know, the, the ambassadors for the team. And they, and they, there's a question, right? Uh, and each person that is on the scavenger hunt has some piece of information that they're used to telling them. So when I was a plant manager, people would come to talk to me and I would tell them a little bit about my background. And then I would talk about uh, food a little bit. And then we would talk about uh, quality and um, what our, what our mission was for the, the, uh, the operation itself. And, and there was this really, great connection that was built with each person uh when that when we went through this exercise the new people felt like they could go and talk to anybody and that and that everyone was approachable and it really broke that ice and and made it feel like a very collaborative atmosphere and that's something that i really highly highly recommend uh during the onboarding process so that is my organizational gap analysis in a nutshell we went through the organizational chart and what it looks like and who reports to who and how often the job description program and why it's important and what it should include we talked about the onboarding program and what it feels like to become a new employee of this of this establishment we talked about the handbook we talked about performance achievement reviews and some ideas for how to carry those out as well as wage reviews and how we like to keep those separate from performance reviews Right, so it doesn't feel like a carrot. Once you put all of those things together, you really start to get a nice overall form for the company. And sometimes, you know, sometimes you have to realign positions. Sometimes you have to create new positions. Sometimes you have to give people lateral position changes to fit your vision, or they get promotions, or sometimes you, you know, will combine units. It's not always super comfortable to do this. However, we also don't shake up organizations just for funsies, right? We do this beat and there's a reason for it. For instance, I used to work in a plant where there was a HACCP manager, a QC manager, and a QA manager. Well, the QA manager really wanted to manage inventory and the HACCP manager actually didn't really do anything and the QC manager did all of it. And so the HACCP manager became a, had some interest in value-added production. They became a value-added production superintendent. The QC manager handled everything, and the QA manager went to inventory, and we didn't skip a beat. Everybody got a new job description. Everyone got a new job title, and it was, it was a simple transition. But it's, it's a collaborative thing, right? And we have to describe why these things happen. So when we make changes, when we're new managers, it's... I, I, I don't recommend, it's my way or the highway, I recommend a collaborative, transparent discussion with current stakeholders, with your vision, and find some, uh, some win-win situations when you do have to make tough decisions like that. So uh, thank you so much for joining me on episode two of the new plant manager series. Uh, next time we're going to be talking, we're going we're gonna, to you know, do a little review, but then we're going to be discussing the operational gap analysis, which could take a couple of episodes because it, it, it is pretty complex, uh, but it's also quick. Um, and I, I did want to mention that as we go through these, you know, we'll eventually talk about how to implement these analyses. Right now we're just discussing the descriptions. Eventually we'll talk about what it looks like to roll it out. So until next time, thank you so much for joining me. And I look forward to hearing any of your questions between now and the next episode. Again, my contact is david at dirigofoodsafety.com or at a farm butcher on Instagram.
Thanks for listening. Before you go, hit the subscribe button and check us out at foodsafetyuniversity.com. We have free food safety guides waiting for you. See you next time. Thank you.